All right. The reason why I wanted to show that video is, you know, we started a series a few weeks ago called uh, Restored. And first week, Pastor Brian told us ultimately that Jesus restores. Jesus is the ultimate uh, restorer. And uh, last week, Stephen Phyllis um, shared with us some things about a restoration in marriage, but not just marriage relationships, but relationships in general, and how we should have the mindset, the priorities uh, of God in all of our relationships, putting him first and allowing him to be the center of those relationships. Today, what we're going to talk about a little bit is a generation restored, and that's kind of a large, encompassing, broad topic. What does it mean, a generation restored? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, We're going to talk about some different generations. Uh, Then we're going to talk about this current generation that we live in now. I'm going to talk about it in terms of uh, our youth kids sitting over here. Uh, So I'm going to kind of be talking about you guys a little bit today, not you personally, don't worry, Um, but about your generation and how we can help them, but ultimately about how generations can help generations to come and how there's a biblical principle uh, here to begin with. So before, I have a little bit of an activity that my, some of my youth are going to help me with. Before we do that, I want you guys to remember a number, okay? You guys ready? 936. 936. Keep it in your brains. We'll get back to that number in a little while. But 936 is a significant number, and we'll see why in a little while. So before that, what I'm going to do is uh, I researched uh, some generations going back uh, a little further, about to 1920 to 1945. So uh, what I want you guys to do is indulge me for a few minutes. This is not meant to embarrass anyone, but I do want you guys to participate with us, if you would, because I'd like to get a cross-section of kind of the generations that are here at Hope Community Church, at least that are here right now today. So first, I want to call up my silent generation. This is 1925 to about 1945. If anybody here was born between 1925 and 1945, would you just stand? Anybody? Yes, no, maybe so. All right. So there's a, there's, <laughs> there's a few more. They're just not here today. But uh, you can sit down, Bob. Thank you. So I'm not going to have you stand the whole time. Hold on, hold on. Not done yet. Just a couple things about the silent generation. Uh, the silent generation uh, was more focused on careers over activism. Uh, sometimes they would think if you spoke out too loudly that that could be dangerous. Um, the first generation that was technically smaller than the previous generation, some reasons for that is because financial insecurity because of the Great Depression, 20s and 30s, and also because of the war in the early, thir- uh, early 40s as well. So this is the only generation that was technically smaller than its previous 
uh, generation. Uh, so that's a little bit about the silent generation. Thank you, Bella. You may sit down. Next, we have our baby boomers. Baby boomers from about 1946 to 1964. If that's your area when you were born, please stand. About 1946 to 1964. All right. Yeah. These are our baby boomers. All right, guys, you can sit. Just a couple of things about baby boomers. Uh, at this current time, uh, when I researched this, which was about a couple years ago, uh, the generation size was about 76 million. Uh, media consumption, they are the highest consumers of traditional media, like television, radio, magazines, newspapers. However, 90% do have a Facebook account, which is why a lot of our young kids are off of Facebook now. <laughs> Sorry, divulging some secrets. Um, some shaping events would be post-World War II optimism, Cold War, and the hippie movement. No offense. Thank you, Ashley. Next, we have our Gen Xers. Gen X would be from 1965 to 1976. If you're 1965 to 1976, please stand. I figured that would be a little bit more of the majority. Awesome. All right. Our Gen Xers, have a seat. <clears throat> Other nicknames would be the Latchkey Generation or the MTV Generation. This generation size is about 82 million. Uh, media consumption, Gen X still reads newspapers, magazines, listens to the radio, watches TV. About 165 hours worth of TV a month. However, they are also digitally savvy and spend roughly seven hours a week on Facebook. Uh, some shaping events of Generation X, the end of the Cold War, rise of personal computing, and feeling lost between the two huge generations. Thank you, Dustin. Next, we have millennials. Gen Y. Millennials tend to get beat up a lot. Oh, we're going to. This is from 1977 to about 1995. If that's you, please stand. It's me. All right, millennials, yeah, woo! Like I said, millennials tend to get beat up a little bit, but millennials are a misunderstood generation. Just saying, okay. All right, Tom, whatever. Some things about millennials. Uh, other nicknames are Gen Y, Gen Me, Gen We. Generation size is 95 million. Media consumption, 95% still watch TV, but Netflix edges out traditional cable as the provider. Cord cutting in favor of streaming services is the popular choice. This generation is extremely comfortable with mobile devices, but 32% will still use a computer for purchases. Uh, they typically have multiple social media accounts. Some shaping events um, was the most recent Great Recession. Uh, the technological explosion of the internet and social media, and, of course, 9-11. Uh, now, one caveat about the millennials, because this is a pretty large scope, 77 to 95. Typically, you'll see most research nowadays will kind of split millennials 
into kind of two different groups. The first group is millennials who still understand and grew up without cell phones, like myself, Pete, I know, Rob, Demona, a lot of you guys. We've grown up without cell phones. I grew up to where the streetlights came on, you ran home, and if you didn't do it enough time and you heard the whistle from your dad, you're going to be in trouble because you didn't get home quick enough. That's right. All right, we could still walk six, seven blocks away from the house without any fear of anything. We didn't have to worry about things going on. We could walk away from the house, go to a friend's house that was a mile away even, ride our bikes if you know how to ride one. I don't. That's a different story. It's all good. Don't worry about it. That was on me. It's not on my dad. It's on me. I never, I always fell and I cried too much when I fall. And then my dad would be like, what are you crying for? And I'd be like, "Ah," and I'd run to mom. No, I didn't say your fault. My fault. I wasn't tough enough. No, I'm kidding. The other part, the the latter uh, millennials uh, don't really know anything else other than some sort of technology in the house uh, while they were growing up, the younger side of the millennials and such. So millennials are the biggest generation right now. They're the the biggest generation that are going into the workforce. And um, basically millennials want to be, they just want to know that they have purpose, that they matter, um, and so on and so forth. So that is a little bit about millennials or Gen Y. Thank you, Riley. Next we have Gen Z. Gen Z is from about 1996 to 2012. So if that's you, please stand. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. So there's one big reason for the switch between millennials and Gen Z, and the biggest event is surrounding Um, 9-11. Typically, millennials... uh, understand, even the youngest of millennials still understand the impact that 9-11 had on their lives when it was currently happening. As well, Gen Z, it's kind of part of their history. Uh, So 9-11 was the big event in history that kind of split these two generations. So other nicknames are the I generation, post-millennials, homeland generation, roughly about 25% of the population. Media consumption, the average Gen Zer received their first Mobile phone, how young do you think? Ten. Ten years old. Maybe not these Gen Zers, but the average Gen Zer received their first phone at age ten. Many of them grew up playing with their parents' mobile phones or tablets. They have grown up in a hyper-connected world, and the smartphone is their preferred method of communication. On average, they spend at least three hours a day on their mobile device. Shaping events are smartphones, social media, never knowing a country not at war, and seeing the financial struggles of their parents. Thank you very much, Jewel. And then lastly, we have the newest generation, Generation Alpha. This is from about 2013 to nothing yet. So I don't think there's anybody in here they're downstairs. Right? That's like my kids right now, our uh, Generation Alpha. And uh, we don't know a whole ton about Generation Alpha right now. 
except that they're also not going to know life without, uh, I'm sorry, oh, and William, that's right, William is part of Generation Alpha, he's the youngest right now, Uh, he is currently the youngest uh, that we have here at the church. No. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry. So um, the thing about Generation Alpha, we don't know a ton about them. They're not going to know any life without uh, superior technology use and growing up in technology. Uh, my kids probably know how to work my smartphone better than I do sometimes which is interesting, um, and, and such like that. So Generation Alpha is the current uh, generation that is living, that is growing up as young, young kids. Thank you, very Kay. Thank you, all my helpers. <clears throat> so thank you for <laughs> indulging me a little bit with that activity. Just wanted to show a little bit about the generations that are here uh, at Hope Community Church. So why have I done that? The thing is, since I was in 10th grade, I've had this passion uh, for middle school and high school students. It's something that I, I absolutely 100% feel that God put on my heart, my life, that I was supposed to do for my life in some way, shape, or form. He so deeply entrenched it uh, within my being. And more specifically, I've been given a passion, this call to, to kind of raise up the next generation. I have it as a, as a father, because I, I'm raising the next generation, and I get to help raise uh, spiritually and, and whatnot um, as we partner with families and such, which is what we're going to be talking about a little bit more today. So as we talk about what it looks like to be a generation restored, uh, I'd like to take us all the way back today in our text uh, to the Torah, more specifically Deuteronomy 6. Uh, so if you have your Bibles or devices with you, uh, if you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I don't have anything up on the screen for this. That was my uh, oversight. But uh, if you need a Bible, there's some in the back or you can share around a device if you have one. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you, <clears throat> uh, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. <clears throat> Impress these on your children is, is probably one of my favorite verses of this 
uh, of this passage here, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit. So I think it doesn't take much to catch the heart of raising up the next generation uh, in this passage. But before we get into that, we're going to take a moment to examine two verses that I think at first are extremely significant to both the Jewish and the Christian uh, religion. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Um, Does anybody know in Jewish culture what these two verses are called? Scott? The Shema. So if you're not familiar about what the Shema is, um, what it means in Hebrew, depending on the translation, it means either to hear or to listen. Um, But as we pause on this for just a moment, we see the word hear, we may just think of uh, like you hear a noise or you hear something, but it's more, it's deeper than just hearing something. It's hearing, listening, and responding to um, in life in some way, shape, or form. See, it's a full understanding to the Shema is to listen, pay attention, and to respond to. So here's why we want to pause on this for just a moment. By starting with the word Shema, Moses was saying, listen, Israel. Pay attention to this. There is something important that you guys need to hear, adhere to, listen to, and act on uh, with your life and your whole life. Not just a part of your life, but everything that you are. So, it's one thing to listen, but it's something more to Shema. And maybe, just maybe, the most important challenge for me today is to simply Shema, to listen, to fully listen, to understand, and to respond to God in our life. But, as we see today, we want to talk about what this means about a generation restored. And and I feel like the call of this passage in Deuteronomy is not just to personally live out the Shema, but also to pass it on to the next generation, and to generations after, and generations after, and generations after. This becomes very clear immediately following the instructions of the Shema. Check out in verse 6. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. This is the call is to live it out. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Pass it on to the next generation. And then Moses goes a little deeper and detailed in his instruction in the second half of verse 7 through 9. It says, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So as we look, we're saying we need to do this all day long in our lives. When we sit, when we walk, when we lie, when we get up, when we sit down, every part of our day, we need to be giving to God. And we need to be listening and understanding and doing what he calls us to do uh, in this time, in all settings. It's at home. It's along the road. He's saying it needs to be with the highest priority. Um, you know, tying it like around your hands, putting it on the foreheads, putting it on the door frames of your house. Every time you walk in your house, you've got to walk through your front door or walk through a door to get into your house and put it on the door frames of your house so you're always remembering, always reminding yourself uh, to keep God first and reminding yourself um, 
about this, this uh, Shema. So, <clears throat> what does this all mean for us? What does it mean for the next generation? And that's what we're going to take the next few moments just to talk about together. So I asked you guys to remember a number earlier. What number was that? 9,000? Almost. 936. 936. Well, what does this number mean, Andrew? That's a great number, 936. Why'd you pull that out of the random thin air? Well, I didn't. Here's the thing about 936. It is approximately 936 weeks from birth to high school graduation in your kids' lives. 936 weeks from birth to high school graduation. Now, 936 weeks seems like a ton of weeks, but it can go in the blink of an eye if you're not careful. I know we have a few uh, graduating from Hope this year, and I'm sure if you've talked to those families, if you talk to the Obots, if you talk to the Davises, if you talk to Jason, I'm sure they'll tell you, I remember when they were just a little baby in my arms, feeding them and putting them down to sleep, and now they're graduating high school, going off on their own, going off to college, doing what they're doing, and it's, it can go so quickly. So 936 weeks. <clears throat> so we're going to draw us out a little bit. So <clears throat> let's break it down. Once kindergarten starts, we got pretty specific in our timing. There's 624 weeks from when kindergarten starts to about graduation. When we hit the big transition into middle school, you're down to 364 weeks left with your child until graduation and maybe they become an adult, they become maybe more responsible. Hopefully you've taught them by then to fend for themselves in some way, shape, or form, think about them for themselves and such. So when your kid walks through the doors of high school as a freshman, you are down to 208 weeks before graduation, that you still have them under your roof and you can instill into them values that you would love to instill into them. And then, for you parents of seniors out there, consider the fact that you are down to just your last 52 weeks when you have seniors um, before they're off, hopefully on their own, living what you've taught them uh, on their own and becoming more and more of an adult. So, <clears throat> I don't mean to freak you out. I don't mean to make you sad if those are uh, parents that have seniors or if you have newborns um, or anywhere else along that spectrum. Um, I know some of you like countdowns. Some of you may not like countdowns. You may be thinking, don't make me focus on how much time I have left. I should be focused on the now. But here's the thing. A lot of this information comes from research from an organization called Orange. If you're not familiar with it, there's a gentleman, his name is Reggie Joyner. He's the CEO of Orange. They do tons of research from birth all the way to high school. They have curriculum. They have tons and tons of research out there. And there's a quote from Reggie Joyner. It says, when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time you have now. 
So when you see all the time that you have left, you tend to get serious about the time that you have now. So we aren't counting down with dread. Instead, we're paying attention to the time we have left so we can be motivated to make this countdown count. And this is what we're talking about here. All right. What we just read in Deuteronomy, you have those 936 weeks. Now you have more than that, obviously, because once your kids leave college, you're never just never going to come home again. Hopefully not. Hopefully they come home again. But when you have them in your house, and they go to sleep in your house, they wake up in your house, and they live in your house, you have 936 weeks to impress on them that which God has for you to impress on their lives. And that is how we start to restore generations. Obviously, I could answer this in one word. Kids, how to restore a generation? Oh, come on, you say it every Wednesday, and now you're going to Jesus. They're probably on their phones. Jesus, right? I can answer this. We could have been done in two minutes, right? Generation Jesus. Yes, he restores generations, obviously. But we want to talk about practically how we can be used by Christ to help restore generations. <clears throat> and you may be out there, you're singing, I don't have kids. I'm not married. That's okay, because you have such an integral role in this as well as being part of a church, of a community of faith. Okay, and we're going to talk about why that is so important. So don't miss this. You are essential to this, because this is the responsibility of the family and of the church. So first, parents are primary. The primary discipleship for your kids is yourself as a parent. Parent is primary. But what we do as a youth group and what we do as a church is we partner with parents. We partner with families as a community of faith to model and help raise the next generation. I believe this is a biblical model outlined in Deuteronomy and other places that point to the home as a place of primary discipleship uh, should be happening. Yet the church family is here to work in partnership with the home as well. And when we see that, it's such a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So in the world of youth ministry, just to let you know for a moment, there's this thing known as the five-to-one ratio. Usually what that means is when you're at a retreat, when you're at a camp, when you're at, like when we go to youth works, when we do events, typically one adult per five kids is usually a good ratio to if you have 20 kids somewhere, right, and you have four adult leaders with you, you know, one adult per, per five kids, usually a good ratio to keep everything safe, everybody in line, all that good stuff. And that's fantastic when it comes to youth ministry, when it comes to logistics and stuff of that sort. Um, but there's a gentleman, his name is Chap Clark. He's a, a great uh, youth ministry mind from Fuller Theological Seminary, and he's challenged this ratio for our kids' lives to be able to succeed in their life, to, to restore a generation, is to flip that. For every one child, let's have five adults that surround them that are building into their lives, that are pointing them to Christ, that are showing them Christ's love in their lives. 
five adults to one kid. And we've talked about this as youth. We've talked about this to our youth parents. Start building your team around your kids. Even if your kids are not even in youth group yet, even younger than that. Start building your team. Start seeing those adults that you know have interest and that you would love to surround around your children so that they can see the love of God everywhere they go in this community of faith. Five adults to every one child. So empty nester, single adult, married with no kids, maybe upperclassman student. What if you were one of the five in the life of some of this amazing crew we have here from zero to 18 years old in this church? We have a a biblical duty to be able to, to help raise the next generation. And it's something that is, is just weighs heavy on my heart because I see what this generation with my youth kids, what they, what they go through in middle school, what they go through in high school. It's my job to know, honestly. And it's heartbreaking how much culture has so declined over the years and how much, uh, you know, I, I'm scared sometimes with my kids. Ethan's six. He just started kindergarten. What's it going to be like in 10 years when he's in high school? I don't know. It's, it's scary. But what I can do is start now by teaching him the ways that I know God has for him, for the rest of my children, for the generations to come, and surround him, surround them with God-fearing, God-loving adults that will show them the love of Christ. So when they come and when they see, they understand what it is to know God and what it is to have Christ <clears throat> and to be with him. So, now I'm going to talk to you guys for a minute. I've been talking about you guys for so long. I want to talk to you guys here as the youth. You guys have some responsibility in this as well. What I want you guys to do is I want you guys to be willing to invest in this as well. All right? The truth is that a willing heart is a game changer. I walked with a lot of students over my life. I know a lot of you guys here have walked with a lot of kids over your lifetimes. <clears throat> those students who seek out and surround themselves with those who care about their journey with Jesus are the ones who excel in their, in their faith in the next phase of life. So be invested in the church as well. Be present. When someone wants to invest, open your arms to them and allow them to speak to your life because they care about you and they want to show you the love of Christ. We can seek a lot of things. Popularity, academic, athletic success. These aren't bad things. But what if we surround ourselves with people that want the best for us and want Christ for us and will show us Christ uh, day in and day out. So, as we end, first, we'll go back again. And this is for for every single one of us. Let's shema the Shema, right? Let's listen, fully adhere to, and respond to God's moving in our lives. Secondly, parents, <clears throat> let's make the countdown count. 936 weeks or wherever you are in that journey. Let's make it count. You're with your kids a lot more than anybody else is with your kids. Start now. Make the countdown count. Build into your kids things that are of God. 
Third, thinking of those maybe non-parents, grandparents, singles, empty nesters. Let's invest in the next generation. Let's invest in the next generation. That's how generations can start to be restored. Let's take interest in the next generation and not tell them that it's your turn in a few years, but this generation can be the now generation too. Right, so let's invest in the next generation. And let's be authentic when we invest in the next generation. I want to show just one, one clip. It's less than a minute long. Uh, I showed it to my youth yesterday, and they all cringed when I showed it to them. Because this is just adults trying just a little bit too hard. Yes, that was real. That was a real thing that happened. <laughs> Yo, listen, okay, if you want to understand just like a tenth of what they were trying to say, maybe talk to some of the youth a little bit later. Uh, maybe they can try to explain it to you. I got the gist of it just because I'm in that world. But uh, that's just adults trying a little bit too hard, all right? We want to be authentic, right? It's part of our banner right, where genuineness is encouraged, right, we want to be authentic. We want to be in, our, in these students' lives, but we don't want to try that hard and almost making fun of them in a way and trying to speak their language. Just be authentic, all right? Authenticity is the biggest way to show somebody that you love them, all right? Get in their lives, ask them how they're doing, be authentic. Let's be people that invest in the next generation. And then finally, thinking about families on this one, let's identify the five. The five people that you can surround your kids with that will love them, that will point them to Christ, that will show them good, godly influence in their lives every step of the way. Not to replace you, but to come alongside of you and invest in your children's life with you. <clears throat> Bottom line this morning is when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time you have now. Don't let those 936 weeks go in the blink of an eye before you teach your children what it means to be of God, to be of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we come now, Lord, and just come to you and just ask for Lord you just to, to be with us in this place Father as we come and as we, as we thank you for all those that are here Father we want to be able to we want to be able to praise you we want to be able to worship you Lord in spirit and in truth Father and we want to be able to to take the now Lord and to invest uh, in these young, these young people's lives, Lord. Uh, we want them to know that they are important, that they are loved, um, and that they have value in your eyes, Lord. And we want to love them, and we want to be able to encourage them. So I pray for the parents in this room who have that 936 weeks. Lord, I pray for those who may not be parents, who may be singled, whatever it may be, that they can look within themselves and say, hey, I want to invest in the next generation. And Father, for all of us, we just want to be able uh, to just, wherever we are, along the road, where we lay down, where we wake up, 
Lord, we want to give everything to you, heart, soul, mind, strength. Father, we want to live for you. We want to do everything we can, Lord, and give you all of us that we have. So we pray in your name, who is our life today. Amen.